Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? What a difference a year makes, Amy. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Definitely a different feel coming out of the annual meeting than last year, I guess. Just some of that probably because um, just even in our roles, you know, it was a, 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 a lot related to the executive committee last year. And so it's just a different, it's a different feeling this yeah, year. Very different, very different. And I also, I don't, I, I don't want to jinx anything, Amy, because I don't want to like reverse the curse next year, but I feel not as tired after an annual meeting this year than I have in the past. Is, is that, is that weird? Or you, do you feel the same? Um, you know, this year it's really hard for me to assess because this was my lightest year in terms of responsibility since 2015. So yes, I, I did feel, I do feel that way. Uh, but it, I think that's understandable. You know, it was a very different kind of year, a lot more flexibility. It was my heaviest year of responsibility. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're not tired then. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just everything went so well. Uh, I recovered well, and you, covered from a, a an unknown blunder a week and a half ago uh, that you were privy to. Um, yes, yes. One, what one I, what of I my, called in my thread, the Lord Farquaad uh, banners. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to definitely discuss that. That actually helped me relax uh, early on because it gave me so much laughter. Humor is, At my expense, uh, is one of the best things. And I just could not stop laughing, but you also had a therapy dog this oh. week. And so, you know, and my stress pills too. Right. But I never got to, to see the therapy dog, but I heard it was, I heard, I heard it was incredible. It was so. the best, best 10 minutes of my day on Wednesday. That's, that's fantastic. I need to try that. It was great. It was great. All right. Well, hey, let's jump in here. What a week in Anaheim. Largest convention on the West Coast since the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, I mean, just 8,133 messengers, 12,543 total people, every state plus D.C., plus Puerto Rico represented. I mean, amazing. Just for that kind of turnout on the West Coast, just amazing. Yeah, pretty incredible. I mean, the, the closest place that we've been, that I've been was Phoenix and twice. And one was around 4,000 yeah, and then the other one was around, yeah, yeah just over five, 5,000. Right. So pretty incredible for us to go past 8,000 in California, all yeah. the way over here. Our first time here since 1981. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a lot of people came out yeah. really big. May deal. not be the last time. Had a lot of people really enjoyed themselves in Anaheim. The weather was great. The the convention center, the setup there with the hotels, it's a really good setup. It's great. Man, it is. I love it. Lights are just I, expensive. I get it. I, I, I get it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that's the hard part. But I enjoyed it here. And actually, as we're recording this, I'm still here. We've yeah. done we've done done some vacation. You went to a Dodger after. game today. I did. And I you did, got to so. see this is this may be the greatest moment in podcast history today. That's you right. You got to see. The napkin. The That's right. Napkin, That's right. Amy. The napkin. Yes. The napkin that uh, for, for those of you who are West Wing fans along with us, uh, we did the Warner Brothers studio tour today. And first of all, got to go on the sound stage where the West Wing was filmed and uh, which something else is being filmed in there now. So it's all different sets. But still, I walked around thinking this is where it all was. And uh, then also, and apparently I didn't get to see the sign, but there the guy told us after we had already left, so I didn't get to look for it, that there's a plaque in there uh, to John Spencer, oh, you know, wow. who played Leo McGarry. So that's always uh, de- like dedicating that space to him or honoring him. But then they had a spot that had the napkin Bartlett for America that Leo had put, you know, on the, I don't know, he put it on the easel or whatever. Yeah. 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 And then they framed it later. And so that in the frame, also the uh, goldfish bowl for CJ's goldfish, Gail. Yeah. Yeah. So they had those, they had those, it was behind the glass, you know, but I got a really good picture of it and I got to hold an Oscar. Was he grouchy? Yeah, <laughs> they're pretty heavy. Thank you. It's, I'll be um, here all week. 
Yeah, it's uh it's the the one for best costume design for some like it hot. So it was like oh they had yeah, of course they, that's the right? one <laughs> that's the one we all think of when we think of an Oscar. Right. I know. But it was this cha- like it was the one that I guess they had their Warner Brothers and it would allow the one nobody wants. To, <laughs> right. It would let people hold one and you could get your picture made with it and stuff. And so it was heavy. Very solid. Also learned, went to where the Academy Awards Theater is in Hollywood and you did the not carpet? realize it is. Yeah. Well, there's no red carpet out, but I walked where the red carpet goes. Did not realize that that's in the middle of a shopping mall. Yeah. So get your like sunglasses when they walk to the their, left at the right, sunglasses. When they walk, get us Auntie Anne's cinnamon pretzel on the right there. Yeah. So they like walk up the steps and the red carpet and there's stores that they're walking in between and there's the Johnny Rockets right around the corner. I was very surprised by that, but it was fun. It was, it was very cool. All right. Well, hey, you know what was also cool this week? What? That big old sign from Southwestern right as you walked in the door. Wasn't that something? It was it was unmistakable. You couldn't, <laughs> couldn't miss it. Nope, you couldn't. If you missed that one, something's wrong. You're blind. Because uh, it, it just was, it was something else. All the signage looked great there uh, this past week. Uh, after you know, we'll, we'll talk about that maybe at the end. I'll tell you about the the Lord Farquaad sign story at the end there. But Southwestern, another great presence, another great event for them and all our seminaries. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But at Southwestern, you can get the training you need to live your calling wherever God calls you. That's what you can expect when you complete a Master of Divinity degree at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. With a wide array of academic options, Southwestern Seminary offers MDiv studies with concentrations in educational ministry, women's studies, international church planning, and much more. So whether you're called to student ministry, cross-cultural missions, pastoral ministry, chaplaincy, or anything in between. The Master of Divinity from Southwestern Seminary will equip you to live your calling. You can explore all the options within the Southwestern Seminary MDiv at swbts.edu slash mdiv, swbts.edu slash mdiv. I try to get them to get a 60-foot tall picture of Dr. Greenway, like preaching or something, mm-hmm. and they went. They didn't they did do that. They did not. Okay. No. That sign yeah. was... 20 feet wide by 56 feet tall. And it was spectacular. It was an idea I had when I was there. And they were like, yes, we want that. It was a lot bigger than those signs that you had out on the, the yeah. post. We'll talk about that at the end. All right. We'll tell the story at the end. All right. Yes. Keep people, you got to tease them. It's, it's what the radio professionals called a tease, Amy. We got to keep right. them around to the end here. All right. Hey, well, let's jump into it. Big news of the week. Uh, kind of twofold, Amy. New president of the SPC and the recommendations from the Sex Abuse Task Force were approved on Tuesday. That's right. And those were the things that we were expecting to be really big going in was the presidential election and the Sexual Abuse Task Force report. So no surprise there. Well, there was a surprise in the presidential election. Let's just be clear. We'll get to that in a second. Yes, but uh, no surprise that those were the big Yes. Talking points is what I mean. Absolutely. So obviously Tuesday afternoon was that was the time that it was completely packed out um, in in the meeting hall. Probably the the most crowded that it was, you know, the whole the whole time we were there. Uh, we had a really tough time finding seats and finally got kind of way. There was a lot empty over to my left. OK, well, we we ended up over to your left, but way in the back. And then, uh, you know, because we didn't go all the way to the side. But the afternoon really kicked off with the sexual abuse task force report and some discussion, uh, but in the end, no, no, no real substantive, you know, major changes, anything like that. And so, uh, so it was, it was passed largely. I mean, I yeah, saw it was probably 90 to 95% in the affirmative like that. Yes. Yes. And then, uh, and then after that was the presidential yeah. election. And so, yeah. yeah. So let's go over the two recommendations real quick. The first one creates an abuse reform implementation task force, the ARITF for short, which is not very short, it's five letters. But uh, that task force is now going to be put in place by President Bart Barber. Uh, we talk about that in just a minute. He won the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention, and that recommendation called for the new president to appoint a task force to implement necessary and needed reforms for handling sexual abuse within the convention. The second recommendation was kind of a mandate to that task force that one of the things you're going to do is create a minister watch website 
basically a database of people that have committed sexual abuse within a Southern Baptist context. Right. So to your point, the the database conversation, it's one that's been going on for a long time, at least 15 years. And so the way these recommendations worked uh, was to say, you know, we just received this report. The task force and the wider public have only begun to take in all of the implications. And so to think that we're going to know all the things to do, you know, right away or be able to determine them before this body, you know, I just, we need a little more, little time to go through everything. So this is a, a group to think through how to implement reforms that are coming. However, we know there's one that we need to go ahead and take the step on now. That's essentially what was being communicated because We've talked about this long enough. And so it was, as you just said, to say, we're going to let you, we're going to let this group really look through things and bring back to us next year in New Orleans, some, you know, steps that we may need to take uh, for implementation also to work with the credentials committee to help implement new processes, uh, the executive committee about things, you know, to discuss with them. But the database is a place to start. Yes. So as you said, say say it again, the, the name for it. The Ministry Check website. Yes, the Ministry Check website. So they that group will come. We don't know who that is yet because, as you said, we have a new president who just got home himself. So that's probably going to be one of the first things he does is to name that yeah. task force and then they'll get to work. Yep. So we'll bring that news to you whenever it drops here on the podcast within the next month, I would guess. I think I think they gave him a month to do that. So uh, that, that's kind of the big piece there. And we mentioned the new president and we also mentioned a little surprise. So let, let's talk about the surprise about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning. I got word somewhat officially that Frank Cox was going to throw his name into the hat for SBC president. So I whipped out my phone and texted Frank and he confirmed that. So we put out a quick story that morning and we had a fourth candidate and actually, Amy, we had a fifth person come up to nominate. They wound up walking away, not nominating somebody, but we wound up with four candidates for SBC president and we had a runoff for SBC president which automatically threw out my prediction that I made on the week and a half ago on the podcast saying that we wouldn't have a runoff in any of the races. Jonathan was wrong. Yes. Yes. Jonathan was wrong. You know, we ought to make sure we capture that nah. recording nah. that you said that. Nope. Um, yes. And, uh, and, and, you know, that once you have four candidates, it is really, it's really unlikely to, to not have a runoff at that point. Yeah. Um, it's just very difficult for someone you know, even with three, a lot of times you have one, but you definitely end up, you know, once you go more than three, it's, it's tough to get over 50%. So we did go to a runoff and that runoff was between Bart Barber and Tom Askell. Uh, Bart Barber, I think came back with like 47% and Tom yeah. Askell with like 34, uh, thir- 34%. Mm-hmm. And then Frank Cox and Robin Hathaway, you know, somewhere under that. I, I'm, I'm really tired. I don't want to do the math, but you, you know, <laughs> there was some left. You don't want to do the math whenever you're not tired. Let's be honest. Right. So definitely not today. So then they came back and had a runoff and, you know, people were reminded the lesson that everyone always needs to know is that if there's a runoff, it doesn't get like scheduled for later. Yeah, we don't schedule that. We have it when right Don, there. That's yeah. right. When Don Currents comes back and he announces the results and it's a runoff, he says, take out your ballots. So you better be in there to hear the results. Um, so then there were less people, but um, actually it was interesting. You know, there, there were less people, but, you know, Bart Barber did actually gain yeah. even more votes, you know, than he had had. So it ended up coming back around 60-40. Yeah. It was like 61 and, or 62 to 38, 39, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, yeah. And Bart Barber is your new president of the SBC. There are a bunch of stories that we've got linked in the show notes. You can go check those out. Other elections, Amy, we had first vice president, Victor Chiasa-Rizabon, defeated Brad Eubank. And that was like by like 50 votes. It was close. I think less than yeah. that. I think it was like 20 something votes, like 26 votes. It was 51 49 stuff right there. That was a really close vote. But then, as close as we could get it in second vice president, we had two kind of surprise candidates because we only had one when we did the preview Alex right. Sands, who wound up winning in a runoff. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But 
two candidates, Rodolfo Diaz-Pons, nominated himself and beat Ryan Fullerton, who's a pastor up in the Louisville area, by one vote. One vote, Amy. By one vote. So decisions are made by those who show up. That's right. That's right. Because somebody didn't show up. You know know that Ryan's got at least two friends that weren't in the room for that. That's right. (laughs) And he could have made it into the runoff. I'm just saying. Yes. Not making, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying, like, you know he had at least two people that he knew weren't in the room. And one right, vote, Amy. Right. I asked everybody on stage. I mean, John Yates, 25 years, been doing this. John, you ever seen this? He said, nope. Never seen it. Don has been doing this type of stuff for a long time. Never seen one vote in this type of race. I mean, you know, if you've got, like, one 20 vote. people voting, that's something. When you've got a right. couple thousand people voting, one right. vote, Amy. That's a big deal. One vote. So, also, Rodolfo, uh, first time since uh, Wiley Drake for nominated himself for president several years back. Uh, first time we've seen someone nominate themselves. And um, if you're going to nominate yourself, that's the speech to give. Oh, he gave a great speech. It was fantastic. He call, it called for unity. It was, it was wonderful. Had a little humor in there. It was great. Yes, it was great. I also want to point out, I was sitting out there and as he started talking, he, he started, it looked kind of familiar to me felt like I'd seen him somewhere before. And then I remembered Yes. on Monday in messenger orientation, he was in messenger orientation and he asked the question, why do we not ever get to hear from the candidates? And I, which is a really good him, question, by the way, it's a- absolutely. And I explained, I answered and said that only the nominators speak. That's part of the business. And so I said that, and then I said, so the only way for the candidates to speak is if someone nominates themselves. And lo and behold, <laughs> 24 hours later, here he stands and, making a fantastic nomination and speech. And so I sat there and I thought, well, this is so funny because I just answered that and just told someone, I just said it never happens. And here it did. And then I thought, wait a minute, that's him. And I just want to say I think he did a lovely job. He did. I thought it was. I thought it was a great speech. It was. It, it absolutely was. So, uh, but he finished second in the runoff. So, uh, Alex Sands won that. And then in the recording secretary, we had you know new recording secretary, first time in twenty five years. John Yates uh, kind of hung it up this year. Nathan Finn, good friend of the pot, pulled out a win in that one on the first ballot, fifty one percent, barely over the threshold uh, for that one. And then in an uncontested race. The nominator got almost like booed off the stage. Well, maybe not booed off the stage. She she did get. Um, Wait a minute. Wait she did a minute. Get, she did get tapped. She got the shoulder tap because she went long. There was there was a shoulder tap, but there were no boos. There were no boos. There were no. Was like, there were Amy, no boos. That was a fantastic speech. Thank you. It really was. You honored Don well, and you did a really good job. So thank you. It was your, a lot of fun. Your first convention speech went very well. It except was except for much- it went too long. I, it was much less intimidating given the fact than it could have been given the fact that there were no other yes. nominations. And there were like 300 people in the room. And it was the last thing on on Tuesday night and everyone had left for dinner. And so the room was, the crowd was very low. And that, we did have a quorum helps. still. We did have a quorum. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, there was still, you know, a couple, couple thousand. thousand. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it did help the nerves. Yes. So. Yes. Stakes weren't high. It was a lot of fun. And so. Yeah. And and it was it was a really good moment, though, with Craig coming up behind you and being like, look, there's only one candidate. That's right. <laughs> Come on. Stop wrap talking. it up, lady. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. You did a great job, by the way. Thank you. That. So those are our officers, those five right there. And um, so all new officers except for Don Currents. He's the only returning officer. You know, usually we have returning officers in the, the both secretary spots where we have, at least in the past. But not now. Congratulations to everybody. On those, uh, Bart Barber, Victor Chayasa Rizaban, Alex Sands, Nathan Finn, and Don Currents, who has uh, affectionately gained a nickname, I think, because of uh, Ed Litton. So the, the people down at registration really enjoyed that. All right. So that's the uh, kind of the, the big two pieces of news coming from the annual meeting. And then, uh, Amy, some some details. We, we mentioned more than 10,000 messengers and guests. We, we talked about that. 8,133, the final number. And... 12,543 total attendance in Anaheim, representing 3,075 churches. Okay, so resolutions, Amy. Two sections of resolutions. Tell us about those. Yeah, so there were nine resolutions. 
And in some ways, I mean, it's really, it's eight plus one because one of them is it thanked the city of Anaheim. All right. By the way, you really, you really kind of got me the other night about this because y'all were writing the, you, you were helping. So people that may not know, you were the liaison from the EC kind of brought right. you in to, to work with the resolutions committee. Right. Yeah. You and guys you contracted me, me to Friday do Friday night and said, Hey, I need some information to put into this thing with Anaheim, knowing how I have talked about this resolution, these resolutions here on the podcast, you're over here trolling me about it right? in real life. So, so what they were working on, they were working on that resolution. And then uh, it, it's nice to be able to give some specifics. And so instead of just a like boilerplate copy over from years before, and last year was very simple to oh, do yeah. that because, and I was, I was on staff and as the Lee and was the liaison. And so then that's, uh, you know, one of the things that you guys had me do this year. So last year was a little easier because Nashville had done all this stuff to help us move locations and all these things. So it was clear to put some specific things they had done. So I just figured that, you know, when the, the resolutions committee didn't know what specifics to put in there. So I texted you, I said, you know, I said, I know who to ask. And so I'll, we could relay that to them. And I texted you to ask, you know, what did, are there some things that were special and you, you, you really came up with nothing, Jonathan. So we had the boilerplate resolution. It was a great idea. It was, it was everything about this went really well. And there wasn't anything that just jumped out. I mean, right. I, I did talk about the safety thing. They did a great job of keeping us safe, helping right. us out with that. And um, this is the right. safest feeling I've ever been at a convention. It, was, it was very safe and secure. But anyway. Anyway, on to the resolutions. Resolution number one, on the mission field in rural America. That's right. This was a great one. And it was one that was submitted. I think it was the second year that it was submitted. Good friend of the pod. Uh, Luke yeah, Holmes. Luke Holmes. Yeah. And it was, it was just a really, really good... Um, resolution that I think the committee just, they, they just really liked it. And it fit, it, it fit very well with it. They had a rubric that they had developed. And so um, when it came in, I mean, it just kind of, kind of made it through. And I think it resonated really well with the messengers too. Yeah. yeah. Number two was on the prosperity gospel. That's right. And I believe that I think this is the first time that we've ever spoken to the prosperity gospel. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. So, okay. Yep. Well, good. So kind of kind of surprising. Number three, current event one on the war in Ukraine. Yeah, I think this is no surprise to yeah. anyone over the last several months that we would be doing that. Um, and I loved it because, you know, Donna Gaines, uh, who cares deeply about this issue, she was the one that got up to, she does, yeah, she's, um, it, and she was the one that got up to present it. And man, it was like nobody, nobody had anything. They were... Donna Gaines is just so she she's she's so respected. I really appreciate it. And then that resolution was very heartfelt and uh, addressed a lot of layers, you know, as, as there are with this. And so, you know, it's worthwhile to go and look at it. But she did a great job. Number four was I, I probably something maybe not well known by the messengers, but they supported it wholeheartedly. It was yeah. on religious liberty, forced conversion, and the Federal Indian Boarding School Initiative investigative report. That's right. So this was something that the government just released. And uh, Mike Keybone, it was actually a committee, because committee members can mm -hmm. can bring resolutions, and he was a member of the committee. And he is um, Comanche, and they're in Oklahoma. And this was something that was very, very near to his heart. And so this report had come out from the American government in, uh, I think, just in the last month about the ways that uh, the government partnered with religious groups to um, to set up these religious schools, but essentially to do it for forced conversions for the purpose of assimilation yeah. and uh, for for these children. And it it involved all kinds of um, abuse. It was uh, would punish them for using their native language, all of these things. And, and uh, the report I think was really, really uh, awful. And so uh, what was so incredible about this is first of all, and the resolution makes this clear that the Southern Baptist convention uh, was not involved in this. So this wasn't something about looking back on our history, but this was an opportunity as a, um, 
a body of churches who cooperate for missions to look at this and say, this kind of thing was done in the name of missions. And so, first of all, we just want to make a statement about it in response to this report. But we also want to say, as people who care about the Great Commission, that this is bad and damaging missiology. Yeah. And so it was a really incredible, incredible thing. And I, I hope that Mike it, you know, gets the chance to speak about this even more yeah. uh, because I think it's something that a lot of folks, you know, didn't really have on their radar screen. Well, we had the resolutions press conference and he did speak about it there. I'm going to pull a clip from that and drop the audio here in the show because you really need to hear Mike talk about it because uh, he just speaks so passionately about this. So here's Mike Keybone about this resolution. This was, um, it was historic and significant in, in a few different ways. One, it's the first resolution um, among Southern Baptists that addresses the mistreatment and abuse of Native Americans. And um, we, have, we have long fought for racial reconciliation and stood on the side of those who weep and, and mourn and hurt. And um, Native Americans have often felt left out of that. And um, even brothers and sisters in our own convention. And so what we did this year was send a very powerful and clear message that we are a part of this family and we matter. And uh, it was beautiful to see that. In regards to this specific resolution, a report came out in May that you probably are, are aware of that highlighted the abuse that happened in boarding schools. And these were boarding schools that were created for forced assimilation. It was a way to quickly take away Native lands. And so it was Native Americans, Native Alaskans, and Native Hawaiians that were involved in that. And so if you read the 95-page report, um, it's painful. And um, and it hurts in, in ways that that run really deep for me. My great uncle, his name was Perry Noyabad, which is a phenomenal name. I wish I had that one. Um, he was a code talker in World War II. He served on the 4th Signal Company of the 4th Infantry. And uh, he was one of those that was in one of the boarding schools. He was beaten severely. He was forced to cut his hair. And much of the punishment that he endured was because he spoke his native language. And yet, the United States Army would call on him to help turn the tide of the war with his language. And I'll never forget what my family has told me. I never had the opportunity to meet him or to talk to him but what my family said, because I asked the question, I said, why would he do that? And, um, and they would say the same thing every time I asked. They'd say, he did it not for who America was at that time, but for who he believed it could be. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, because of that history, because of, of that part of my life, to see us as a convention make this resolution and make it a part of our history and a part of who we are and what we care about. I mean, that's what a resolution is, right? It's it's a statement of how we stand and what we say as a people. And so for this to happen, uh, again, sends a very clear and powerful message, and I'm very grateful for it. All right. Yeah. So there you have it. He, he is able to to explain it better than anyone else could, and he is a really just an incredible a wonderful man and pastor. So that was a, a, a really special moment. And backstage after it was over, when he just spoke, uh, he, he kind of said something about it to the rest of the committee, how meaningful it was. It, it was, it was very moving. Yeah. All right. So, numbers five and six were about sexual abuse. Number five on support for consistent laws regarding pastoral sexual abuse. And then number six on lament and repentance for sexual abuse. That's right. So number five was really one that was more about uh, what we are calling for state legislatures to begin doing. And uh, again, on consistency, a lot of states have particular laws about um, 
clerical, you know, the, the relationships between pastors and those that they, that are in their care and what constitutes, um, sexual abuse, you know, that, that consent is really not an issue when it's someone that's in your care, just like in the medical field or, um, the counseling field. And so some States do put that in the category in that, that category. And so it was calling for that as well as, um, calling for States who don't have it to pass laws that give a civil liability shield essentially for churches to be able to do what we're talking about with this uh, ministry checklist that you can share information with other churches um, when, you know, if, if someone is terminated from your church. And so it's a, a lot of times churches are afraid. Pastors are afraid to do that because they're afraid of civil liability. If they share this person was terminated for this reason. Um, but some states like Texas have something in place that says they they can't be uh, sued for that. And so it's just calling for states to do more of that. Yes. The f- number six was specifically related to the report that we had passed on Tuesday, and it was an expression of lament. And so this was an opportunity. We, we took action and then an opportunity to express just response to yes. it. Number seven was on the anticipation of a historic moment in the pro-life movement. That's right. So this was, uh, I think everyone, you know, would have expected something about the Dobbs case there and knowing that we could be looking at an overturning of Roe v. Wade. So there was, was something on that and then really looking to sort of what's next, because we know that if it goes back to the States, what it, you know, what that begins to look like. And so, so that was a, a resolution to address that. And then finally on the Imago day and helpful content submitted in several resolutions, kind of a, an omnibus resolution, so to speak. That's right. We call that um, a compendium resolution. We had something similar in 2018, which is where, you know, you may have had several resolutions that were submitted that fit underneath an overarching theme. And so there were some that really fit on uh, the image of God and they found those and you, you know, you don't have the ability to do fleshed out resolutions in, in everything, but if you can kind of uh, connect some of them. And so the committee did that and uh, pulled, pulled those together and that one uh, passed as well. And then number nine was the, the one for Anaheim. All right. That's the resolutions. Other ways that we do business at the annual meeting are through motions. A lot of motions were made, thrown out because they were out of order or not in order. And many of them were referred on to their appropriate entities. Uh, right. Even one to the new task force, uh, the abuse response implementation task force. They actually got one referred to them. And then there was one, though, that got a special time of business on Wednesday. That's right. So one thing that's helpful to remember is you ha- you have a couple of times in the uh, in in our time together, you have a couple of times for motions, and so tons of motions can come if people line the microphones up, and they really did. So there was a huge list of motions. I don't know how many, but it was a lot. Um, but you don't really have that many times for debate because a lot of them get referred. That's kind of typical. But sometimes well, a lot you get of them one- don't pertain to the actual work of the convention body itself. Right. right. Like Therefore it's for something else or something, right. you know, that's right. Wherever. So it gets sent to the boards to deal with during the year and to respond back. Uh, but the one that did get scheduled for debate was a motion to abolish the ethics and religious Liberty commission. And that ha- it has to be that way. That's, that's working with the governing documents. That is actually that's what doing it says something. in the bylaw. Right. Right. That's doing something to, um, and, you know, an entity which would take two years. So if that had passed, it would not have happened yet. That would have been the first year and then would have been required to, you know, to talk about it again next year. But because that came through in the way that it did, the committee in order of business immediately said, we'll have to schedule that one for debate. So that was on Wednesday morning and it happened at 1130 and there was a debate. The maker of the motion well, it was supposed came to happen and- at 1130. Okay. 
it happened like a little later than 11 30 yeah. yeah something like that the maker of the motion was able to come in and speak to it uh brent leatherwood from the erlc was on hand to respond uh there was a some others you know that that spoke for it as well richard land the former president of the erlc also spoke on the floor and against so there it, was, by the way right right yes he spoke against it and so there was discussion back and forth because this was because this was such a simple motion there was no need to amend it i mean it was just abolish or not yeah, abolish or so down. it was just right so just discussion back and forth and then there was a vote and it was it, it was clearly oh uh, yeah 80 85 percent yeah, i would say yeah against um abolishing the erlc so but that was the one motion that we debated on the floor yes that that had originated from motions i mean we obviously these recommendations but mm-hmm. yeah uh, that was the motions. Other work that was done, the Committee on Committees brought their report. Committee on Nominations brought their report. There were no changes to that. You can check out the links in the podcast show notes for that. Uh, Fred Luter, Tony Evans, and Ed Litton announced a national grassroots work on racial unity. Uh, you could go and uh, text a number, and I will get the information, put that in the show notes to the Unify Project, unifysbc.org is the website for that. And then there was also the Credentials Committee report. Uh, They brought a recommendation to form a study group, and that recommendation was eventually withdrawn. It was There was an amendment that was made to it by Dr. Adam Greenway, the president of Southwestern Seminary. Uh, That amendment narrowly failed. It was like 52-48 or something uh, on a ballot vote. Uh, Whenever we saw the the hand raise, it was like, there ain't no way we can make that call because it was tight. And yeah. sure enough, the ballot vote proved that out. But that amendment failed. The Credentials Committee eventually withdrew their recommendation related to that study group and uh, will continue uh, to look into the submission of Saddleback. Uh, but not before Rick Warren addressed the convention. That's right. He came because if uh, if they had come to be disfellowshipped, that is that is something that is allowed for him to have the right to uh, he to speak to that. Um, but as sort of the subject of everything, he I think took a I, I I'm assuming that he took a point of personal privilege. I don't know all the the conversations he had um, and did speak. Um, and in some ways, he was speaking as if this might, you know, be about to happen, but the credentials committee after their, after it became clear that they uh, should felt like they should withdraw their recommendation. They basically said, we still don't have an answer specifically about this question about Saddleback and we're going to continue our work. And so nothing really happened there. That bylaw eight says that they will come back to the convention um, at the, in like the earliest, yeah. you know, po- at the when earliest prepared. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So they're still, you know, continuing their consideration, their deliberation about this. Yeah. So all the entities also gave reports and we had the missionary commissioning ceremony, uh, that sending ceremony on Tuesday morning. There's reports and stories about all of that in the show notes this week. Uh, we're not going to go into those detailed reports. Uh, There's also a crossover report, some great news out of crossover, uh, more than 50 uh, salvations uh, as a result of crossover and just a really good work in the Southern California area about that. So be sure to check out that story. And then Amy, there were also some other events that were held. Uh, Women's event. Did you have a chance to make it over to that, to the women's events or the minister wives luncheon? Yeah, I did not. I was actually in the EC meeting during the oh, that's right. the women's uh, event on Monday and uh, was was unable to get to the minister's wives lunch. And I did go to the Southeastern Women's Leadership Breakfast with Jen Wilkin, and that was was excellent. And I got to kind of walk around the Women's Expo, see lots of, of women, some great crowds. Yeah, great crowds out there. And you also got to go to the Southeastern luncheon this year. I did. I did. It was, you got to stay the whole time. I did. It was really fun. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We had a security issue. I had to go deal with it. Yes. Yes. There you go. But you you mentioned the EC meeting on Monday. Yes. Now, new officers at the EC, including Chairman Jared Wellman. Yep. A completely new slate. So Jared Wellman um, won chair. I think it was like 63%, uh, something like that. And then David Sons is vice chair. This was interesting. Yes. So David Sons and Philip Robertson were both nominated. David Sons 
received more votes, but the rule says he has to have a plurality has to have most of the total number of EC members, not just total number of those present yeah. and voting. So he was over 50% of those present, but right. and, and it was like 32 votes. He got 32 and he right. needed 34 because there are 67 spots. So you need more than 50% of the spots. Right. So that's 34. Right. So the way that normally works when you've got two, we had that last year, you just have to do it again and you wait until you just keep doing it until somebody moves. And so they were about to take those uh, votes again when Philip Robertson just stood up and said, I'm going to withdraw my name. And so David Sons became the vice chairman. So that was actually a nice yeah. moment. I really appreciated yeah. what Philip did. Classic. Yeah. Of Philip. And then uh, Pam Reed. Pam Reed. As secretary. Of the pod from Winston-Salem. That's, right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, so Pam Reed was secretary. Uh, and then give me the committee chairs. Well, kind of, you know Arch- what? They're, they're kind of all friends of the pod. We know them all. So, uh, right. Mean, the whole know, executive committee. Basically. <laughs> friends uh, we of say the pod, friend of the pod. So. I mean, it's like we all, we know everybody. I mean, right. at this point. That's right. That's so, right. So, um, but uh, Archie Mason staying on as finance. And yep. then Adron Robinson for mm-hmm. Southern Baptist Relations, Richard Spring for Missions and Ministry, and then Mark Stinson for the Convention Events and Strategic Planning. So Mark Stinson, Rich Spring, Archie Mason, Adron Robinson for the, the four committee chairs. And then you mentioned Jared, David, and Pam for the three officer spots. So Yeah, and when you look at this story, they the the photo, the officer's photo, like, I mean they whoop. look like they look like stair steps. I did not plan from, that by the way. I did tell Pam, them how to line up, but it's right. it's hard not to be stair step when you got Adron on one end and Pam on the other. Right. That's so, that's right. Which Pam wasn't all the way no. on the end, but still it's it does look like stair steps in the I photo. Mean, it's great. Anytime you have Adron in a picture unless he's in the middle, it's going to look like that. Right. He's like 6 yeah. 7 or something like that. Right. He's a yes. very tall man. Yes. So congratulations to all of them on Monday. Also, we had the pastor's conference elections, a very close election, Amy. It was. A very close election. Daniel Dickard defeated Avodi Bauckham for the pastor's conference presidency for 2023. Yeah. So as you said, it was it was very close. And I know I I heard, saw some, I heard some, some chatter. I was in the room, but did not vote. So one of the things that was said was, you know, that the people voting were Southern Baptist pastors. Um, I saw some, some question about that, especially because, you know, there's just so much, always so much question about the pastor's conference because there are no rules. That's actually something that's been held up for the last few years. I mean, I remember in 2016 in St. Louis, I remember huge crowd in the room had to go to a ballot vote. And so it was a lot of, you know, trying to make sure that the ballots got all to the Southern Baptist pastors in the room. And uh, I remember that being, you know, a thing, a, a couple of other times that Southern Baptist pastors and same thing in North Carolina, we do that for the pastors conference that only the pastors, you know, in the room vote. So I heard there were some questions about that just because it's, it's tough. The rules are, are sort of up in the air. It was funny though, the way he did it, I was standing in the room and he asked everybody to sit down and then for pastors to stand up. Well, I was still standing in the back and realized, oh, he's asking pastors to stand up. So I jumped behind a wall like, because <laughs> I thought, uh-oh, I need to make sure that I am not standing. Um, so anyway, but but it was very close. There were some disallowed ballots. A lot of ballots. disallowed ballots. Yeah, because yeah, it, it was unclear. Uh, but the margin was still greater than those. So even if those had been yeah. in there, it wouldn't have you know made made a difference. So it was definitely a very close election. But also it's kind of that's it's kind of an odd one, like you said, because not everybody's here and uh, it's just numbers are, are different, you know, all that. So a couple other things, Amy, the IMB rolled out a new brand this past week. Uh, they got a new logo and everything. You can go check that out at their website. There's a story about that, about how the missionary presence is central to their new brand. And uh, so you can check that out at imb.org. And then also some news from Southern Seminary. Paul Aiken has been named the new provost. That's right. So they named named Paul Aiken at their lunch. This is a really, uh, I, I think it's just poignant. And for me, it really is thinking about that because his dad was in that role. It was called Senior Vice Danny Aiken. It was called. Uh, we may senior, have new listeners, Amy. You never know. 
You never know. So Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary, before he was at Southeastern as president, he was at Southern Seminary in this same role. It was not called provost at the time, but it was senior vice president for academic administration. And his administrative assistant in that uh, role who handled all the like uh, faculty you know, related things, uh, administrative work. That was me. So I was in that office with him. And so it's very special to think about Paul now moving into that yeah. space. By the way, Paul wants to know if you're available. No, okay. I'm not. So, uh, but you know, the, the office there in Norton Hall, it's on the first floor actually is the former president's office. So E.Y. Mullins had moved into that office and every president from E.Y. Mullins to Albert Muller was in that office until Dr. Muller moved to the second floor in 2003, which is where, uh, where he still is now. And so then, uh, we moved in academic administration, moved into that that space that had historically been the president's office. So just being there when we moved into that uh, and getting it all set up and everything. And then to think about Paul uh, Aiken moving into his dad's office, uh, just a, just a cool thing. You know, so. I was just thinking about that while you're talking about that. I've been in every seminary president's office, but one, and I bet I remedied that next month. Are you, you headed to Louisville? New Orleans. Okay. New Orleans. Yeah. So I've, been- I've been in Dr. Muller's office. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, because you've gone and interviewed. Yeah. So I have been in, uh, I've only been in three Ooh. president seminary president's offices. Okay. So in that's a weird stat for us to be keeping, but right, <laughs> South, southeastern, southeastern, southern, and New Orleans. But I'll, I'll complete so. the Grand Slam next month. There you go. I'm sure. There you go. So when I go down there, all right. Uh, so that's really cool. And congrats to Paul. We mentioned Matt Hall, who's currently in that position, is leaving going to Biola, which stands for the Bible Institute of Los Angeles, Amy. Yes, as I recently learned. Yes, from me when we talked right. about it last time. So, that's right. All right. Well, hey, that's going to do it for the news this week. It only took us 45 minutes to get through the news. All right. That's uh, right. And bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. I'm going to do the thing that I do every year. I never give anything previous in this recap because I always think this was the big week in oh, it was. history it for was. us. Absolutely. And so uh, we, we've talked about a lot of things that, um, that made history. And I think uh, for sure, these steps that we took uh, related to abuse reforms will be documented by historians for decades and decades. I think this will be a, a, a very significant year as, uh, as people look back. So this, this week in SBC history, it is this week. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, that brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? It's the new issue of SBC Life, which I got oh. in my package. Yeah. I got in my messenger bag, um, which was, was pretty fun and, and kind of special to look at because I, um, you know, I love this magazine. We did a, a kind of a relaunch of it. And so the summer, uh, the summer issue of it, it looks fantastic. Yeah. I love it. You had an article in the last issue, but not That's in this right. issue. That's right. So this one is on Baptist distinctives, believers, baptism, religious liberty, and local church autonomy. So three Southern Baptist distinctives and just what they mean. Some stories on that. Tobin Perry did all of those, did a great job with that. So enjoy those. If you have a copy of SBC Life, if not, you can subscribe. You can just click, go over to baptistpress.com and click on the SBC Life tab, and there's a subscribe button there. So really cool. My resource of the week this week is actually for next week, which is Mission Dignity Sunday. So Mission Dignity Sunday every year, the last Sunday in June, and that's coming next week. So you've got about a week or so to get ready for me to promote Mission Dignity. does a great job helping widows and retired ministers meet their needs. Um, And, you know, Matt Hensley had a huge thing at the pastor's conference this year. They were trying to get raised $30,000, so really close to that. We can link to that story if you're interested in that. Go over there, help out Mission Dignity, but promote it in your church next week. Yes, definitely. All right, so let's wrap up with one little piece of story time. Tell everyone what happened with the signs, with the banners. The banners outside on the flagpoles, the little flagpole banners. They're supposed to be nine feet tall, 
ish by about two and a half feet wide ish. So about 28 by 108 was the, the size they're supposed to be. Gave that information to our designer. She designed them. I didn't realize when she sent us the files that they were at 50% resolution, like 50% of what they needed to be just to be, keep the file size down. Cause you try to throw in a, a sign that big into a file. It's a really right. big file and it takes a lot to open. So right. what they usually, what the designers do is they'll shrink them down to make it easy for you to read, easy for you to review, make sure everything's good. You give the thumbs up, they expand them, you send them on. Well, dum dum me sends on the unexpanded file and doesn't realize oh, no. it. Oh no. I did. I never did understand what you actually did. Yes. So idiot me sends a sign that's supposed to be 28 by 108. That is actually 50%, which is basically a quarter. Cause if you shrink the, the width in half and the height in half, you get a quarter of what it's supposed to be. Sure, so it's like quarter know. sized. I, I, I've, I hear what you said. Okay. I heard the word. So instead but of being, of, of, yeah, instead of being, 28 by 108, they were 14 by 54. And they were tiny. And they and were they tiny. And they looked ridiculous. And they looked ridiculous. So Do you I, have a picture? Yes, I tweeted there... the picture in my thread. Okay, okay, good. That you made me take the other night on our way back from dinner. Okay, um, good. Yeah, we had a whole group. Yeah. There was a group. Y'all were enjoying the, that. Right. Because I had told you all about it at dinner and like a couple of y'all, I hadn't seen them yet. So we come back walking and just the entire group is just dying and laughter right. because they look so ridiculous. They right. were quarter sized. And so they got affectionately named Lord Farquaad banners. Yes. From so, the, for those from who watch Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. Yes. Instead of Shrek sized, I got Lord Farquaad sized. Banners. That's right. So make sure we'll put in the show notes, the link to the tweet so that all of you can go. I'd love to <sighs> see. I'd love to see now that we've talked about it. If we get more hits on the show notes this time than yeah. normal, I'll put, because I'll put people the picture are going in the to show check notes. it out. Yeah, you need to see it. It's ridiculous. It'll, it will bless you. It was one but, of the laughter highlights of my week. Shout out to Supercolor, who I called that afternoon. I think this was like Wednesday when they started putting them in. And was like, guys, we got a major problem. Yes. <laughs> and by Saturday morning, we had the right ones good. going up and they it looked fantastic. Yes, they looked amazing. No one knew. But now I think it's important for all of you to know. And so please go check yeah. it out. So I won't make that mistake again. Yep. Now <laughs> you've at least learned. I better not. I better not. That's right. Now now you have learned. Yeah. I just I just sent the wrong file. That's right. It looked right. It just wasn't big enough. There you so, go. So they're tiny sized signs. But anyway, so yeah, that was the uh the the problem that I had to deal with. But it worked out okay and everything worked out fine and Hey, here we are. Here we are. So, all right. Well, hey, Amy, that's going to do it for another annual meeting recap episode here on SBC this week. I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.